0: here we are, our last show before the Oscars, mm. we've got uh, we got some Oscar stuff ish this week on DVDs. We have got television, yeah. We have got documentaries. documentaries, we have got classic movies, mm. we have got foreign. We got a lot of stuff to get through today, um, but we uh, I think I think our um, our Oscar prognostication is is going to be really interesting this year because yeah. I'll tell you, I still have no idea what's going to win. I think it is totally up in the air. Um, the, the new Academy class, the new membership, those thousands of new members that they admitted have totally mixed the, 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 the thing up. They've changed the dynamic of being able to sort of figure out what, uh, where the taste goes. Mm. I still think Green Book's going to win it. I don't think Green Book deserves to win it, but that seems to be the least hated film, and that's the one that's been winning lately. It's
1: an odd world that we live in where Green Book and yeah. Black Panther yeah. uh, are both <laughs> yeah. Being considered. Although it's not all that odd because, again, we lived in this world before, about 1989, yeah. uh, when uh, Driving Miss Daisy yeah. and, and, and Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, among yeah. uh, uh, several other films actually were in that mix. Yeah. And, 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 but, but nevertheless, those two were in the mix, and the yeah. dynamic just there is almost the same. Yeah. It's quite bizarre. Quite it bizarre, is indeed. quite bizarre.
0: Anyway, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. I would normally have, have thought that uh, Star is Born, which we will talk about today, was, would be the odds-on favorite, but it hasn't been for some reason. Mm. And, uh, you know, my wife is not a big Star is Born fan because she thought that Bradley Cooper was uh, basically doing a really irritating Jeff Bridges impersonation,
1: <laughs> which I disagree with. But uh, that's, uh, you it's know. Fu- it's funny to me. I thought he was trying to put himself more in line with Sam Elliott's we, pr- uh, I I uh, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah. Because particularly as I don't want to ruin the film anybody for anybody, but for God's sake, go to go go see the movies, people. For God, yeah. you know, well, it's Alan Divine. But you know, um, it may it would it make that made sense as a choice for me in juxtaposition to what we come to know how he feels about Sam Elliott. Yeah. Uh that that he You would think Sam Elliott's gonna win best the uh, best sporting actor? Yeah, you know.
0: Then. Yeah. It's the sentimental favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... The, the, but that, that norma- don't always get it. It doesn't always get it. You know, the thing is, Mahershala Ali has been winning all the awards. Yeah. Um, But he's already got one. Yeah. And he is really good, but... He should be nominated for Best Actor. Yeah, because... He's the the, star of the damn movie. Yeah, you
1: know, I mean, he's the one in the backseat. Yeah. Uh, The uh, the other guy's the
0: chauffeur. It's it's his story. He's Don Shirley. So it's a little bit insulting that the lead actor is winning the Supporting Actor Awards. Mm. Um, But if you are talking about a supporting, a genuine, honest-to-God, real supporting actor performance... um, Sam's, Look, Sam's, but mm-hmm. even still, I'd give it to him just because he married Catherine Ross. Mm-hmm. Damn and it, stayed
1: married for four, well, 50 years 50 now. Fifty years. It's um, uh, well, you know, I'm irritated about that category because Michael B. Jordan was yeah. in, uh, nominated, yeah. and I felt like that was the best, legit, straight up supporting performance to this day. I mean,
0: even though that film got a Best Picture nomination, the the you know the the comic book that got that nomination that uh, that everybody wanted uh, Dark Knight to get mm-hmm. back in the day before they went to ten nominees or up to ten. Um. Still, to this day, Heath Ledger
1: Only yeah. person ever nominated for performance In a comic book movie Yeah, and, and and one of the reasons why I thought That Michael B would be uh, uh, viable uh, Is yeah. because of, uh, of, of Heath. Heath Ledger Yeah, yeah. because, because yeah. They, they, I felt like they had if you, opposite, if, you, yeah. if, you, if you If you walk
0: into a comic movie And you elevate Certainly the villain, in that case To something other than a comic book villain If you're mm-hmm. other than Thanos I want to take over the universe um, yeah, wrapped some, in CGI. If there's some, you know, kind of moral nuance to it, which there was with Heath Ledger, and there also there also is with Michael B. Jordan, yeah. you know, there's some real, there's some real and interesting nuance there. Um, but no, I guess not.
1: Yeah, so yeah, anyway, yeah.
0: our gripes are there. So uh, let's see where to start. I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, we ended on anime last week, uh, and and there are a few anime titles that uh, didn't get to. I'd like to get to. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hit a few of these this week. Uh, Princess Tutu from Sente and Section 23. Um, this is so beautiful, and um, this really is quite a wonderful discovery. It's 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 completely off the off the the. The radar from what you normally get in anime, um, it's just it's absolutely beautiful and wonderful and uh, kind of poetic. And it doesn't have you know it's not about spaceships and monsters or fantasy worlds or you know rivalrous goofy teenagers and schoolgirls and none of that stuff. Politics in high schools it's it's none of that. Um, it's it's a it's a it's it's like a fairy tale. It's like a it's like a ballet. It's like a it's like a light opera. It is. It is really, really lovely. Uh, it's called Princess Tutu: The Complete Collection, and um, it is. It's about a writer who leaves his characters behind when he dies, and uh, what does that mean? Well, that means that the um, the in a Pinocchio kind of a sense, the the characters now need to find something to do. They need to sort of. Um, well, you'll you'll have to watch it. It's uh it's worth it's worth checking out. It really is worth checking out. Princess Tutu, beautifully animated, uh, and um, it just it it really is. It's poetic. It's wonderful and it's beautiful and uh, it it's totally unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, we got three here from G Kids, who is the go-to place for interesting animation these days. G Kids releases a lot of anime, but they also release a lot of International animation. They are the. Uh, they've been getting Oscar nominations. You know they're they're a really good operation, and they are releasing their own stuff now, on DVD and Blu-ray. These are all um, DVD and Blu-ray combos. Uh, the first one is Lou over the Wall. L-U, uh, which is from the uh, great director Masaki Yuasa. Very very nicely. It has a real. This, there's a real interesting look to this. This includes an interview and audio commentary with uh, Yuasa. And um there's a there's just a really interesting kind of a throwback anime style to this. Everything more recently has been in the um in the modern anime vein, which is to make it look more CG-ish, mm. more three-dimensional, more textured, more real, more photorealistic. And what Yuasa is going for here is uh, really throwback. Go back right to that Astro Boy look. We're gonna talk about that in a second yeah. too. Go to that Astro Boy look and uh and, and just go very minimalistic and very very colorful and very primary colors and uh it's a it's a wonderful little fable about a uh, mermaid who joins a rock band a teen rock band and uh, helps them become famous that's basically all it is but it's done with such a fable, a sweet fable like innocence it's really really great uh s- also with the similar look is another uwasa film the night is short walk on girl uh and um this is about a uh this is a very very uniquely japanese comedy. It is also very very minimalistic. All takes place on one night in the city of Kyoto where a group of teenagers uh uh go out and uh and you know have a, a bit of a, a a an after hours kind of adventure uh overnight in uh, the city of Kyoto. Um And uh, it, it, I'm not sure that this translates beyond Japanese culture, but it is extremely well animated, and Yuasa is absolutely wonderful. And there is also a, an interview with Yuasa here. And uh, then there is Fireworks, which is uh, was in the running for uh, our LAFCA award. Uh, yeah. And its Fireworks is really, really gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's from the, uh, the same people that did um, Your Name, which did win our award and was uh it was absolutely superb. And this is um this is a genre film about a um uh, about some teenage politics uh, that go into an interesting supernatural direction. Let's just say that. Um teen relationships that go supernatural. I know that could apply to like a hundred different other um how how else would I describe this without giving giving away what it's really about? Um Gosh darn it! I don't even know how to how to how to not give you spoilers. Anyway, um, let let's just say there's a there's a there's a MacGuffin that they find in the ocean, and it has uh, remarkable powers, and it takes them on an adventure. I don't know if that's if I can even. That, there you go. That's as far as I can go. Anyway, uh, fireworks is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, so there's that. And uh, then the last few here, we have a, the complete series of Astro Boy. Uh, uh, I love me some Astro Boy. Tezuka's Astro Boy. Astro Boy. Um, this is uh, 16 hours of really, really fantastic, uh, fantastic animation. But this is not the original Astro Boy. No, not this. Black, is the, not this, the black and white. No, this, from is, the, the 60s. this, is, this is the 2003 Astro Boy, uh, which was an attempt to sort of reboot the character. And it's really, really good. Um, You know, I I like the original black-and-white raw Astro Boy because it's where anime begins, you know? Mm -hmm. It's the embryo that creates the whole genre. Um, But seeing Astro Boy transposed from that into this is really nice, too. You know? it's I uh, I
1: enjoyed that series.
0: Yeah, it was really, really good. So uh, that's from uh, Mill Creek, and it's 16 fantastic hours of the, the rebooted... Reconceived Astro Boy, and then the uh, the last two here. Uh, one is a double feature of uh, Memories and Metropolis. Uh, Metropolis from Osamu Tezuka, and uh, Memories from Katsuhiro Otomo, and uh, they are they are both perfectly great metropolis obviously is the legendary film it's the it's the one that everyone remembers yeah um memories is a little bit more under the uh, under the radar but this is from mill creek and make they had both titles and they make for a really interesting double feature it's worth checking out and it's only on dvd not on blu-ray if you already have metropolis on blu-ray this is probably a rental just to get memories but um otherwise it's a, it's a worthwhile release. And then the last one here is uh, red versus blue, which is not exactly anime but it kind of you know falls in with it red versus blue uh, the um, sh- the Shizno paradox. this is of course uh, spun off from the Halo game. the red versus blue thing has been a, been a thing for a while. It's all very photorealistic, all very gamer oriented. if you're not into Halo you probably won't like it, but it's really really well done and very intense.
1: Fun, fun, fun. All right. Uh, I, I, TV. I, 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 well, yeah, I got a couple of them. It happens to be animation here. So uh, Family Guy, a couple of special editions from the, from the Family Guy people. Season 16, Uncensored Episodes. Of uh, Family Guy, oh this is gosh. a well, you know, yeah. What are you gonna do? Um, uh, twenty episodes, all in a three disc set. Big laughs, completely uncensored, deleted scenes uh, from some of the uh, you know more interesting directors who did some work on Family Guy. So, uh, some really, really, really funny stuff here. If you are into the the Family Guy business, it's this is some good stuff. Also, if you happen to like uh, the big musical uh, pieces that they do on Family Guy, this is Family Guy twenty greatest. Hits, mm-hmm. uh, which are twenty episodes of the uh, of the of the ones that have the most interesting set sort of musical performances. Too, too bad and Mark's not
0: here because I would throw these at his head. Yeah, he, he loves, loves that this show. show.
1: He loves the. He loves that Family Guy. You look. uh I think the Simpsons just went into their. I want. I want to say one thirty first <laughs> season. I, I was going to say one hundred and thirty first season, but thirty first season. Longest 31st season. Longest running. Longest running animation. Longest running anything. Uh, prime time series. Period. The yep. Simpsons has run for more than half my life. Yep, 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 yep. That's yep. weird. I remember the, when I was I was in graduate school when the Fox Network went on the air uh, about 1985, about 1985, and The Simpsons were a part of the Tracy Ullman Show, Matt yeah. Groening, a little, little, little yeah. thing in the Tracy Ullman Show, which is a really good show, by the way. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning of the Fox Network, Fox being the first network, the fourth network, but the first network yeah. since the DuPont Network, had went away in the 1960s yeah uh, you know ABC, CBS, NBC, and then in about one thousand nine hundred and eighty five fox uh, the Tracy Ullman show, Matt Gronick and The Simpsons inside that show, and here we are thirty four years later just mad it's it, crazy you know, every, everything it's else really is really but, but that's still around I, I I do think family Guy, uh, if it keeps going the way it 's going sixteenth season here, yeah. it, it might catch him so- someday, eventually, yeah. all those Simpson people are going to have to die. It's it's nuts. <laughs> they can't they can't they can't live forever. It, you know, uh, South Park may well. <laughs> South I, you know, Park will be. It it is interesting that it seems to be animation back in. The, well, the Flintstones had a really long run. Flintstones. Yeah, but Flintstones was like like five or six years. It didn't run longer you know, than that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, but I, I suppose live action. We had uh, Bonanza. Uh, it, it, uh, uh, the, the, uh, it was uh, Gunsmoke, Gunsmoke. ran the longest of all the scripted primetime shows until The Simpsons. And then, and, 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 uh, yeah, MASH had a nice long run, too. But I think Gunsmoke was like 25 years or something like uh, that. About 24, 25, yeah. In, 26 might have been, but no, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, we have nice. a number uh, of, of films from the uh, miniseries Masterpieces. Uh, really great stuff that were on te- television stuff, um, mostly from the uh, 80s and 90s. You have yeah. the Titanic. Um, uh, this particular one with uh, Peter Gallagher and George C. Scott and Catherine Zeta-Jones and even Marie Saint and Tim Curry and Mary Lou Henner. Yeah. You can you, just from the names of the folks who were in the series, you can you can pretty much place yourself in the period yeah. when this came out. But it's a, just another you know sort of example of the whole sort of Titanic. Uh, movie interesting stuff um uh there you have Moby Dick played uh with with Patrick Stewart uh at mm. the at the um, at the uh, at the helm of this uh doing that sort of big John Luc Picard kind of thing uh Ted Le- Ted Levine uh, also in the film neat neat little neat little adaptation of Moby Dick uh Scarlet not nah, not gone with the wind but mm-hmm. Scarlet <laughs> right which is a sort of adaptation of the, yeah. of the ideas in gone with the wind uh, here uh, with uh, Timothy Dalton and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was her name? She was married to Joan Whaley Kilmer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I met her when she was Joan Whaley before she married Val Kilmer. I told her that was a mistake, but she did it anyway. <laughs> she did it anyway. Uh, so Scarlet there, kind of told from that point of view. The Odyssey with Armand Asante. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, so the, the, these are really kind of neat Armand Asante, uh, Isabella Ros- Rosalini, Greta Sacchi. Uh, uh, in in this particular adaptation, uh, uh, th- as, as cheesy as it was, I kind of didn't mind it. Oh, Konchalovsky directed this. Yeah, Konchalovsky directed it. Not bad at all. Yeah, not bad at all. Uh, and Cleopatra, uh, Leonora Varelia—I can't pronounce her last name—playing the beautiful beauty. Beauty Cleopatra, also Timothy Dalton, uh, in this adaptation, Mark Anthony played by Billy Zane. Hey, you know, you know, what are yeah, you going to do? yeah right? know. but these you know, neat mini series sort of uh, talking about these historical dramas kind of fun, actually, I enjoyed. It. Just about every one of those back in the day when When they they when they made them like that. When at least when networks did.
0: Now that stuff's all off network now.
1: Yeah, I go back to the days of Masada, Master of the Game. I mean, Shogun, uh, Shogun, North South. You know, I mean, real old school miniseries. Roots,
0: Roots kind of started it, and then they went to Shogun and Centennial. Remember that Centennial was a big thing. Uh, the Thornbirds, Thornbird, yeah. Oh, yep, I yep, cried yep, my eyes yep. out of the Thornbirds. Oh, it was yeah, so much fun. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Beautiful it was a great stuff. era. Uh,
1: a little bit of British television here. Uh, Bang, uh, sort of interesting series uh, set in sort of blue collar community of Wales. Uh, young a young woman and her brother uh, lose their father. Twelve years goes by. She sort of sorts herself out. Becomes a cop. Uh, and uh, and, uh, and and pulls it together. He's been doing all kinds of petty criminal stuff uh, over all this time. Eventually, he comes across a gun, and his crimes become a little bit more daring. Mm. Uh, look, this is neat. I can I, 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 cannot believe that this has not already been adapted to an American television program, because uh, it really seems like it's exactly the kind of thing that would be adapted to an American television program. Um, and won five BAFTA awards too. So you know, it's a pretty good, pretty neat series, and I rather enjoyed it. Uh, and then we have got Auckley Bridge.
0: That is a great show. Let me, I'll, I'll, I'll take up from that one. That's um, that's a, that's a really, really interesting show, um, about the, uh, the collision of, um, of white and Pakistani students in a, uh, in a, in a just in a public high school, um, and it's, uh, that's a, that's a really, really interesting show because it gets into a particular dynamic that is, um. I guess broadly in terms of the the the, the class and the uh, the culture and the race issues, you could broadly apply that to just yeah. about any culture, any any society. There's an equivalent. There's an, an there's an analog somewhere. Um, but in this one in particular, it's just re- the casting. The kids are so good, and the writing is so sharp. Um, really, 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 super sharp. Uh, you know, all the, in post Brexit England, a lot of these issues are coming to the fore for the rest of the world. Uh, things that England has been kind of you know Britain has been dealing with for for decades now, and so this is very much um, kind of letting it all hang out. But I think I, the, the actors are just great. The, the, the kids, the families, the parents. It's a really, really terrific show. It's really, really getting good. This is 12 episodes on three discs um, from Acorn TV. Really sharp. Ackley Bridge, uh, Series 2. Very cool.
1: I am so happy to be able to talk about Doctor Who, the complete 11th series, because it stars a woman. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I and I and I got to tell you, I watched all of this. I'm a big Doctor Who fan, and there was all kinds of uh, back and forth about the whole fact that Doctor Who. The Doctor time, Who be, you know.
0: previously said. Ages ago, yeah. I have been female. Yes, yes. It's yes. not like this came out of the blue. No. You should have been ready for
1: this. Just no. be ready. It's, yes.
0: All that matters is do uh, they have a good actor playing Doctor Who?
1: It, 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 and and, 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 and the, it, frankly, Doctor Who is going to have to make a few more interesting transitions over the. Yeah. You know what? I, the only thing I don't want Doctor Who to ever not be huh. British. <laughs> I, I, I only want Doctor Who to ever be British he can be brown and British, female and British but British, that, that Doctor Who must always be British, James Bond too for yeah. that matter, anyway, th- I, I thoroughly enjoyed the 11th, uh, the, the 11th complete series, I love the cast the very interesting cast that they put together here, I love the guy that plays the grandfather uh, in, in the series in his, in, in, in his, in his black grandson because yeah. he's married to his grandmother uh, it, so it's just a lot of fun to me, and plus I really love the, the adventures, the adventures were absolutely fantastic i i know exactly which doctors is she's channeling yeah and one of them is my favorite doctor tom baker
0: you know I, i i that's interesting you mentioned that it hadn't occurred to me but i would agree yeah uh here's what's interesting to me about doctor who now and to some degree you can say this about the simpsons as well is that these shows have now reached a point where the people who are writing for them grew up on them yeah So they have – there's institutional knowledge. You are writing – you're not imitating the the ones that inspired you, but you you sort of know the universe. You know the world. It's very clear that the writers on Doctor Who, these are people who know everything there is to know about Doctor Who. You're not going to stump them. You're not gonna go. You know, there was an episode in 1958 yeah. when, <laughs> the, when, the, when the John Pertwee and the Dalek. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. I've seen it. I know it. I know it. we referenced that in season, you know, yeah. 37, episode 19, when we made the callback to. And you go, oh man, you guys know this inside out. Yeah. Like if you're a Doctor Who nerd,
1: these writers are. They've got it all over you. Yeah. Yeah, because they are too. They are too. They are too. They yeah, absolutely are too. Doctor Who, Jodie Whittaker, the first female Doctor Who. Yeah, loved her in Broadchurch too. Jodie, she was great. She's in that. great. I love her. She's uh, just terrific.
0: She was. That's 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 perfect casting.
1: I yeah. mean, really, it really they could not have picked a better Doctor Who. She's one of the best in years. Yeah. Uh, American Vandal season one. This was an interesting sort of satirical. Um, uh, I guess you'd call it a sort of satirical crime uh, mm-hmm. drama, right? Yeah. So uh in this in 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 this uh high school in this community in Side, california uh somebody um, is, the, the, the community is scandalized because somebody goes through and draws phallic symbols on oh, several boy. vehicles yeah. thirty forty vehicles yeah. big phallic symbols. There's this one kid in the school that everybody knows as a prankster and bit of an asshole and the kind of guy who would do that yeah, so everybody just decides he did it. Uh, his name's Dylan Maxwell or and they, and they and they expel him from school. The thing of it is, he says, "No, I didn't do it. I didn't do it." And he says, "If you if if you really knew me, you'd know that of all the things you've ever accused me of doing, I've never said I didn't do them before. Mm-hmm. I so why would I? Why would I start today? I did everything else you've ever accused me of doing. I did all yeah. that. I didn't do this." But they expel him anyway. Yeah. Uh, and his and his best friend decides. You know what? I believe him. I don't think he did it. And mm. this is all about that sort of satirical yeah. investigation. It's actually quite funny uh, and, and very sharp. And uh, and it's saying something about society and the way we put people in little frames and in, and, and in context. Uh, and, and when we when we decide we know who they are yep. and we're not really paying attention at all to who they are. So it's kind of interesting in that way. Uh, man, I love this. I love this. I love this. Uh, the Betty White Collection, First Lady of Television, 40 episodes featuring Betty White in two very, very early television series that she did when she was um, very young in her career, when she really established herself as among the first ladies of, of, of television and comedy, uh, in television comedy, and, 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 and has held on to that position for, lo, the past close to 60 years now. Yep. Uh, Life with Elizabeth, 26 episodes, uh, which, which starred and was co-produced by Betty White. In the 60s, right? That's how far you got to go back to that. And a primetime series, uh, uh, Date with an Angel, 16 episodes, uh, which really launched her into Salt Lake, the public eye. You know, Betty White, one, Betty White was stupid fine. Let let me just... just Lay that right out there, just uh, stupid fine. Yep, and yet still chose to be a comedian rather than go and, the you know I don't know what a beautiful diva saw route. Yeah, which I think was an interesting it's the Shelley, choice. It's the Shelley
0: Winters trajectory. It's the Shelley Winters. That's what trajectory Shelley Winters did. Exactly. She is. She just turned. 97 yeah god love you betty keep rolling keep, keep rolling. rolling and it's still
1: funny yeah uh, still funny my favorite betty white uh work of betty white though nevertheless is uh, uh the the mary tyler moore show yeah uh for sure that betty white on that show bird dog and lou grant yeah <laughs> that was that that was just wonderful for me yeah. I, uh, golden girls and all of that but think about those characters the character that she was playing on playing on uh uh the Mary Tyler Moore show yeah. who was sharp and a little bit mean and a little bit caustic and uh and a little horny yeah and then and then the character that she played on Golden Girls the sort of ditzy one who didn't quite yeah. always know what was going on that listener that is the range of Betty White and uh, i can't tell you i really 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 love everything about her and i love this series um the first lady of television betty white the betty white collection 40 episodes fantastic,
0: fantastic. yeah it's good stuff Betty's, I, 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 I want her to do, you know, her, her hosting on SNL was just priceless, and they obviously accommodated her when she did that a few years ago yeah. and, you know, enabled her to sit down for most of the show and save her energy. But, boy, was she funny. 90, oh, boy, not, was she what funny. did you say, 96? 97.
1: 97. Just 97. turned 97. Keep rolling, Betty. Keep yep. rolling, Betty. Keep it uh, up. The Tenth Kingdom. I uh, have here a series from about, oh, I think this came out in about 2000. Uh, and you got Diane Weiss. They have released this a bunch, a bunch of times but it's it's popular. It's a very like popular it. series you know it's set in this fantastic there yeah. are not there, there are 10 kings uh, beyond the mortal world there are nine kingdoms and yeah. and, uh, and all this kind of wacky stuff that's going on in this game. It was a lot of fun. And this one includes bonus features including the making of the 10th kingdom. I remember this series from when it was on uh, when it first came out Kimbr- Young Kimberly Williams who played the bride in all those uh Father of the Bride movies with Steve Martin. Uh, it, in this series and Rooker Hauer and uh, just everybody. It's a, a whole lot of fun. The Tenth Kingdom, um, uh, and then five people you meet in heaven, which comes from the people who created the uh, Tuesdays with the Maury series. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, these are precious and and, and kind of sweet, and I appreciate them. This one came out in about two thousand four, two thousand five. Uh, John Voight and Ellen Burstyn and Jeff Daniels, and it's it's, it's 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 touching and it's sweet and it's very comforting and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, you know, you can't really go wrong with the stuff. I wish they would've put some special features on this, but not a whole lot.
0: All right, here we go, new movies. And right at the top of it, Star is Born, 4K, Ultra HD. Mm. Um, the film that I originally thought was going to be the best picture odds on favorite because everyone loved it when they saw it. They loved it at Toronto, it got crazy rave reviews. Everybody loves Bradley Cooper, on and on and on and on. Uh, directorial debut. Directorial debut. They love that, right? Kevin Costner and uh, Mel Gibson and, you know, all those, all those directing debuts from actors. They always, uh, when they, they bring a passion project to the screen, they were, you know, back in the 90s, they were winning Academy Awards left and right. Yeah. And um, I thought, here we go again. That's what this is going to be. Hasn't quite panned out that way. Some people simply don't quite respond to the film. Uh, which I find to be a little bit odd, but my wife is, is one of what, them. It is what,
1: the fourth incarnation it's the of fourth. the film?
0: It's the fourth. The original is the Janet Gaynor from yeah. the 1930s. Uh, in which it was he was an actor, she was an actor, and then in the 1950s, about every 20 years they had been doing these, and then in the 50s you had the Judy uh, Garland Judy with Garner James film. Mason, yeah. in which they made her a singer, mm-hmm. and that's the one that tends to be everyone's favorite. Well, I, I have it on good authority no, 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 I'm that it's
1: a sucker for the next one you're going to make. Yeah, uh,
0: and then they made them both singers yeah. in the uh, the Streisand Christofferson uh, film, man. and um, this pays homage to all of the uh, all the previous. It's it's definitely emulating the story of the Streisand Christofferson film. Yeah, Uh, but it's it's you know it's got a little uh, there's a little little riff of somewhere over the rainbow at the very beginning. So it's saying we love you, Judy. There's Janet Gaynor references in here as well. Uh, So he's clearly tipping his hat to the previous films. Here's my take on this. First of all, I think it's exceeding. Sean Penn went ballistic over this film. He loves this. He, he's, he authored a big old letter in Deadline saying, this deserves to win Best Picture. Please give it you know Best Picture. Yeah, big I wish plea. he hadn't done that because that, that too. might have been the problem. It could have been the backlash. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I love this film. It's my second favorite film of the year after The Favorite. And um, I think Cooper does a hell of a job taking something that is familiar to us. This film looks like it was shot. I mean, you know, Matthew Libatique cinematography, too, it looks like it was shot in the 70s. It has that feel yeah. to it and he does something that that i thought would otherwise have been impossible he takes something that is so familiar we know this story okay we know this story inside out the artist which won best picture is even this story it, yeah. it's it's you know it's a familiar story we know the beats of this story the one we've coming up and the one going, going down, down. Okay. we've seen it so many times we know where it's going we know uh, everything about it there are no surprises here so why am i watching this here's why you're watching it you're watching it because there are three or four emotional beats in here that are so pure and so true that even if you know they're coming, if the actor can pull it off, if the director can stage it right, if everybody is on the same page and they all hit their beats, you're going to sit there just awash in tears. You're, yeah. gonna, you're just going to say, oh, a, that's a pure moment. And I can't, I can't believe how, how just beautiful and, and human it is. Every single one of those beats, Bradley Cooper... Nails it. Yeah. He absolutely straight up nails it. And the rest of the thing might as well coast. Um, but it doesn't. It's really wh- we 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 talked about Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott is amazing in this thing. I mean, you've you've seen the commercials where he's blubbering, where he says, "You good I've been holding your ass all these years," and you just it's Sam Elliott going deep, man, and you just you want to cry. You're like, that's the Sam Elliott I wanted to see for fifty years.
1: Well, you know, you know what it is. It's, uh, Bradley is leaning into the melodrama. He is. He he just yes, he, 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 he let and of course you know when Lady Gaga guy at one end of it who and is, who is Mel mel she is melodrama
0: this was supposed to be a beyonce film originally yeah. and beyonce dropped out because i think she was pregnant right yeah well, that was what it was she got yeah. pregnant and then it was a whole thing this is originally gonna be bradley cooper and beyonce God love you, Beyonce, but you know what? Never would have got there. It wouldn't have worked as well. Never would have got there. And here's the reason why. The reason, I'm, and I know you're fond of the Streisand film. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm not so fond of the Streisand film is because, because, of, I, Streisand. <laughs> it's because of Streisand. It's because of
1: She's standing there being Barbara Streisand. That's the whole freaking movie. That's
0: it. She's just standing there. I'm never like, I, I at no point do I go, a star. Is, you're already a star. You're Barbara Streisand. What are you, why are you pretending to be anything else? I, <gasps> I never know. believe that she's anything other than Streisand. Uh, yeah. Beyonce yeah. would have had the same problem. Yeah, it would have been the same problem. It yeah. would have, it would have turned into the bodyguard where Whitney is Whitney Houston through that whole movie. Yeah, Whitney
1: Houston is not playing a character that works she's the bodyguard because the moment because she's already a star that's when we it. meet her. So her Whitney Houston that's it. Uh, it works in the context. of Beyonce
0: that would have done the same thing. She's Beyonce. There's no way that Beyonce can convince you that she is not Beyonce. Yeah, she yeah. cannot. It just it doesn't work. But Gaga, because she is such a chameleon, because we've seen her in so many costumes and so many outfits and because she never looks the same twice, you know, she just she's one of those people. She just she can she can chameleon into anything. You told – the second you see her, you're like, oh, that poor average girl. Yeah. Yeah, she's right?
1: not classically beautiful. She's a perfectly no. lovely girl. Yeah. But she's not classically beautiful, so you're not overwhelmed by that. It's not, not Grace it. – uh, yeah, you, you know, Grace Kelly. Right. Uh, or you're, you're, you're like, Yeah. Like that. No, you look at her. She's perfectly lovely, but she looks like any chick that might be in yeah. any neighborhood. Sexy, though. Sexy, though. Very. And then uh, uh, emotions uh, on the sleeve. On the sleeve. On and vulnerable. On the sleeve. Yeah. And so vulnerable. And and then
0: the other thing I love about this is he takes all of these stand-up comics that we've more or less forgotten about, or we never, or if we haven't forgotten about them, we never thought that they could do you know drama, and he puts them into the most interesting roles. Yeah. Dice Clay, who's been doing pretty well as a as a as a as an actor, you know, he was in the Woody yeah. Allen film, and yeah. uh, it, it, you know he's done so. But playing Gaga's dad is wonderful. It's a wonderful piece of casting. Yeah. Dave Chappelle shows up yeah. and has not a comic scene, a, f- a human scene. Yeah. He sits there and he shares some of the wisdom of life. You know, he's settled down. He left the business behind. And you just go, is Dave Chappelle making me cry? Yeah. What the hell? Where did that come from? Yeah. You know? Um, the one, though, Eddie Griffin, they, cho- yeah. they chopped him out. Yeah. They they, took you him notice out. that? Yeah. He's, he's the preacher. He's in it for like three frames. Whatever he was doing in that was, in that preacher it was, scene was, was, not, was didn't fit. <laughs> it didn't fit. Yeah. So they so they left him out. But it's Because um... they wouldn't cutting for time. No. But it's—I love this film. I really do, and uh, it is just gorgeous on 4K. Libatique cinematography could not be more enjoyable. Uh, and there are tons of extras here. I mean, music videos. There's a there's a featurette on the making of the film that's just wonderful, um, and uh, songs and performances that were cut out of the film as well. So you get more than you share of music. It is a wonderful, wonderful movie. I love it, and I love some of the stuff they did in terms of directing. Like, and you'll find out here, like the giant concert scene. Uh, where she has her big breakthrough. How do you? How do they get all those people to show up for a concert? Fascinating story. Yeah. They talk about it on here. Yeah. And then we've also got on, uh, we, well, on Blu-ray and DVD, Backtrace. You probably didn't hear about this. It's got uh, Sylvester Stallone and Matthew Modine. Uh, normally, that would have been a reason reason alone for this thing to get some notoriety. Matthew Modine needs to dye his hair. This uh, white hair thing that he's got going, I thought it was just for uh, Stranger Things. Apparently not. That's the color of his hair now. It's creepy in Stranger Things, and it's suitable. It's a little too creepy here. Uh, this is a Grindstone thing. We talked about last week about the uh, the uh, kid vid that Grindstone pumps out through Lionsgate Premiere. This is one of the action things that they do. Uh, it, this is all, you know, just macho stuff, and it doesn't really make any sense. Um, Matthew Modine is a is a guy who um, he was he's a bank robber. Things went wrong. He uh, winds up, you know, with amnesia and is shoved into this psychiatric ward. And um, years later. Uh, there's a prison break thing that happens and uh, Sylvester Stallone is, you know, the, the detective who's, you know, got to work with Christopher McDonald who's still around for some bizarre reason. And uh, anyway, it's all, you know, they got to recover the money. And there's a whole, it, it, none of it makes sense. It's narratively completely disjointed and it's really just a, it's just a reason to watch these stars if you like them. Um, kind of a standard grindstone thing. And then the last new movie this week, uh, is another 4K. I don't quite know how I feel about this. This is a uh, J.J. Abrams' uh, programmer. 4K Ultra HD Overlord. Um, this is, you know, the war genre mashup. We've got a lot of these. Yeah. They're usually like Nazi zombie movies. Yeah. There are a lot of those, the trauma releases and stuff. This is one of those done with kind of an A-list, um, uh, an A-list uh Production value, yeah,
1: and still didn't it, work.
0: It doesn't really work. I mean, it's a, it, it it bridges over probably more to something like uh like Captain America, yeah. where you had where you have that that whole super soldier thing with the Red Skull and all that. That's kind of what's going on here a little yeah. bit too. So, um, but it doesn't really work. And none of these these movies never really work. The only one of these that ever kind of worked for me worked because it was almost too artsy. To, to ridicule, which was Michael Mann's The Keep in the 80s. Okay. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, that, yeah. It's, all, it's Nazis in a mountain keep and then like some giant zombie character. I never really understood where that guy with the red eyes, what he was <laughs> or where he came from. Yeah. But it didn't matter. The whole thing was so slow and it had tangerine dream music. And I kind of felt like I better take this seriously because it, it's taking itself seriously. This doesn't take itself seriously. No, uh, But there's a lot of extras here if you, if you like this kind of stuff. Some feature ads, behind-the-scenes stuff. And, um, you know, it is what it is. But otherwise, J.J. Abrams produced Overlord. Came and went. Looks good, but uh, it's not really my thing.
1: Uh, let's see what do I got over here. A bunch right. of docks? You gotta, yeah, let's it, hit some docs. Uh, some good docs there. I thoroughly loved uh, Tea with Dames. Uh, I mean, love this. It, it I don't. I don't.
0: I don't even care. All I needed was just get these great British actresses together, sit them down, give them some tea, and let them talk. And that's,
1: which is, that's a, all which it is. is exactly what this. That's what, all I needed. For one thing, that's all I needed. I do not know. I do not know why I had not sort of sussed out the fact that these that all of these women would one know each other. Uh, you know, and and of course they do. Uh, we're talking about uh, uh, Dame Ellen Atkins, Dame Judy Dench, Dame Joan uh, Plowright, Plow, Plowright, and Dame Maggie Smith. That's who we're talking about here. Uh, and one of them is a lady and a dame. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, it it might have been uh, it might have been Joan Plowright. And and what they're basically doing is that they're at this beautiful, beautiful country house, and they are sitting around having tea, inside and out and talking about their long and fascinating careers including uh, some of the intimate details of their actual personal lives of course uh, uh, Dame Plowright was married to Laurence Olivier for a great many years and there's uh, some funny talking about that they, very, because very they all
0: worked with Olivier, yeah, right. So they all have these they have these funny conversations. Well, you were married to him, and I, when he directed me, and you know, and such. And they all have such wonderful stories about all, and it's all has great clips of the stage work, and then gla- and, and
1: TV, and and even some uh, personal footage. There's footage in this doc of Joan Plowright at age 16, participating in some sort of little outdoor play pageant thing, and there she is, and and she's just there for a moment, but you can see her face, and you can see that it's her face. You're like, she's 16 years old. Uh, So this is just a wonderful document here. One of the things I love about this movie is that um, um, they talk about how what it meant to not be traditionally beautiful, in the context of their younger careers and how that actually helped them in their careers, yeah. Um. Uh. Particularly Joan Plowright talks about that. Um. Uh. None of the act, none of the directors, none of the powerful directors or producers, none of the. They. They, they were not the object of sexual. Um. Uh, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, so they were actually able to work. Because they weren't traditionally beautiful, yeah, and they could do the. And I, I thought to myself, "That's so interesting." We think about that in the exact opposite There's, here in Hollywood.
0: What's also really, really sweet in this is that um, you know Joan Plowright is it has failing eyesight, yeah, and they are all so accommodating of her and so loving of her, and uh, you know, it's it's great that these women who've known each other since they were young women and young girls. And they've grown old together, and they, they still relate to each other like young girls, mm-hmm. but they also recognize that they are older. And there's a, there's a familiarity and a kindness. It's just a, it's a delightful thing to sit through, it, just to be a fly on the wall. You know it what?
1: Really it gets really salty with the language. It does. These old ladies cuss. <laughs> they have some cussers there, are you? I, I just but, love but, you know, that.
0: The, the, the British stage world that they came up through... Was a man's world, yeah, right. I mean, we've talked about this before. That was the world of 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 Bates and Olivier and Burton and you know O'Toole and, the, and these hard drinking, hard living men. And if you were going to be a successful woman in that world, you had to be tough. And mm-hmm. the and and I'm but there's no other way to put it. These
1: old broads are tough. Yeah, yeah, and
0: and, and love them for it.
1: Yeah, nobody ran over the ran over them. Interesting no. stuff. Really, really dug it. Uh, uh, Studio 54, the documentary, uh, filmed by Matt Treiner. This is a really good sort of um, deep-dive documentary about Studio 54. It sure is. Uh, And and that whole little period. Not that long of a period, about 1977 to about 1980. I know. Uh, My dad took me to Studio 54 in 1978. Yeah, uh, 78, 79, 78, 79. My dad took me to New York in 1978, and we just did New York. And, yeah. uh, and he took me to Studio 54. My dad did all kinds of totally inappropriate <laughs> things. Uh, played at CBGB's, though. He got me a gig at CBGB's. Way yeah. to go, Dad. Um, this is really just a very, very interesting documentary about this, uh, this, 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 this uh, uh, cultural uh, uh, time capsule of a place. That that captured uh, just captured a moment. It's a fascinating place. Of course, you know, if you grew up when you and I were growing up, Wade, uh you know, on the cover of uh, all of the magazines, we'd yeah. see we would see uh the who's the who's the little girl? Drew Barrymore. Yeah. I think she was ten, 10 12 years old. Something like that. Bumping around studio fifty four. Um, you know, it's an interesting little document. It the this does not exist today you know, whatever... Couldn't exist today. Nutty places are out there. Couldn't do it. You're not Studio 54, are you? No. You're, you're feigning and faking, and that's all you are. Couldn't do it today. Studio 54. Uh, got some
0: PBS titles here, and uh, the first one is just such a delight. Uh, it is from the American Masters line. Uh, the American Masters series, which has been going on now for decades, and uh, you know they still haven't released the uh, the Charlie Chaplin or, or yeah. the Buster Keaton American Masters, which are multi part and amazing. Get those out there. I don't know what the the rights issues are, but get those out there. Anyway, this one is Sammy Davis Jr. I've got to be me. Um, I am. I so love Sammy Davis Jr. It's just unbelievable. I love all the Rat Pack guys, yeah. but I got to be honest with you, uh, Sinatra. Even though he was the king of that crowd. Not my favorite voice of all of them. Sammy, Sammy. is my favorite voice. Yeah. Dino, number two. Yeah. Those are the two that I absolutely yeah. love. But honestly, as a singer, none of them could match Sammy. Sammy, Sammy, Sammy had, had more energy. He had energy, he had power, he had range, and he was little. And he could and he could do it all while he was dancing. Oh, it's unbelievable. Uh it's such an unbelievable talent. If you don't know the story of Sammy Davis Jr., you do not know one of the great American entertainment success stories of all time. It is, it is, it is an epic story where he came from and where he went. And it is, uh, it is just it is so fascinating to, to, to find out all these nuances. Um, he defied stereotypes. Every stereotype that you can think of, Sammy Davis Jr. just said, "I'm gonna rock that man. I'm gonna bust that <laughs> wide open," and he did, and he just blew right through it. And um, it's just it's such an amazing life. Uh, and they have some great interviews here. Uh, you know, Jerry Lewis, Whoopi Goldberg, Billy Crystal, people who loved him, who worked with him, who knew him. Uh, his funeral is part of the special features, which is really, really super touching. It'll bring a tear to your eye. Um, but yeah, you, you, I, I, you have to know where Sammy Davis Jr. C- uh, came from to really appreciate just the magnitude of his accomplishments and what he meant for American music yeah. at a really crucial point in time. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, when, you can, when you consider what he meant
1: to both black and white audiences of the civil rights era, you know? Very um, complicated story. Really, very complicated relationship with the black and white communities. Um, uh, I, I, we just got here. We had just got here when the film uh, TAP, yeah, which was Sammy's last film. Yeah. Gregory Hines' film yeah. uh, was coming out, and I did the junket for Tap, mm. uh, so I got to meet Sammy Davis Jr., oh who gosh. of course lived in Beverly Hills anyway. I used to drive past his house all the time. Yeah, uh, uh, there and um, you know and, and and then you know he passed away and, and, and all of that sort of went down. Frank was still around. Yeah, uh, Sammy's you know longtime wife at that time it might have yeah. been his third wife, but nevertheless they had been married about twenty five years at that point. Uh, issues with with Sammy's taxes in the house, and yeah. it looked like she might lose the house in Berry Hill, Beverly Hills. Frank came in, paid off the taxes on the house, paid off the house, made sure she got you know the deed, yeah. And, and you know, so that's that's what that's how real that was, and that's it, how real that relationship was. It's super real,
0: and uh, you know, um, Jan Murray was part of that that group yeah. as well, and yeah. Jan Murray's. Grandson is a very, very good friend of mine. And I've, you know, we, we always talk about uh, Big Pop, you know, is what they call Jan. And, and uh, there, are, there are a lot of great stories that come down through the family as well about Sammy and that whole group. And there's, there's no bad in any of them, man. Yeah. He's just, you know, his appearance on All in the Family is one of my favorite all time bits of TV. <laughs> it's in,
1: in TV actually, history. Actually, the first, actually, everybody says it was yeah. Kirk and Uhura. Yeah. New. No. <laughs> New. No. First interracial kiss on television was between Sammy Davis yeah. Jr.
0: Yeah. And actually
1: it was between Sammy Davis Jr. and uh, uh, uh those these boots are made for oh, walking. Uh, uh, yeah, Nancy, uh, Sinatra. Nancy Sinatra. Yeah. Uh but, but 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 my favorite one is between him and Archie Bunker. Yeah, for sure. That's my favorite. For sure. One.
0: It's yeah. just it's such a great moment in TV history. Sammy Davis Jr. being on uh, All in the Family. It's just so fantastic. <sighs> uh The Swamp Nature Never Surrenders. No, this is not a, a Trump thing. Uh, this is an American experience documentary about swamps and uh specifically the everglades which is uh is is, is something that only, if you don't live in florida you don't really fully understand what it means in to the state eco- ecologically economically uh and every other area the everglades is just a unique thing in the united states and uh this really gets into the politics of it the the economics of it the the ecology of it it's really very interesting and it's very complicated um Anne curry's wonderful we'll meet again uh which is all about um all about specific incidents and events um and people who are brought together through these these momentous episodes in history uh it is it is it's so touching and it's so smart and it's good journalism and uh, I love Anne Curry, and I'm just glad she's doing things like this. Um, some of the most touching stuff here: heroes of 9/11, uh, the lost children of Vietnam, and uh, rescued from Mount St. Helens, which is is just a that that is just such an amazing story. Uh, we've also got letters from Baghdad. Oh, uh, which I love is, Gertrude. Uh, yep, Gertrude Bell. Uh, this came out around the same time as the Nicole Kidman Gertrude Bell movie that was directed by Werner Herzog, based on the the. The life of Gertrude Bell uh, in a dramatic sense, not a good movie. I'm no. sorry to say. Gertrude Bell basically is often called the female Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, she intersected with Lawrence. If you saw the Herzog <laughs> film, you know that she she intersected with Lawrence at certain episodes in their respective careers and and involvements during World War One in the Middle East. But Gertrude Bell uh, is equally as fascinating, if not more fascinating than Lawrence. Uh, she dealt with you know he was a military genius, she was a political genius. Yeah, and Frankly, we can attribute a lot of the mess in the Middle East today to what Gertrude Bell
1: did at the time. Well, literally drawing lines. Yeah. uh, Maps, you know, creating countries that didn't exist. But frankly, that's sort of the fault of everybody that inherited it from her. She didn't
0: create the mess. She just sort of created the situation that we failed to to fix. Uh, what she did at the time really helped bring the war to an end, bring the bring victory to the Allies. Um, really just an astonishing life, where she came from, how she fell in love with the Middle East. I mean,
1: it's just a beautiful documentary. It really is. Uh, 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 and an extraordinary adventurer, obviously. Tilda Swinton doing the Tilda voice. Tilda Swinton doing the voice. An extraordinary yeah. adventurer, uh, obviously. Her writing, absolutely beautiful. Oh. And amazing <laughs> an amazing photographer. It's phenomenal, right? She's all of these things. <laughs> I know. You know, any one of these things would be astro- extraordinary. Yeah. She was extraordinary In at all of all them. them and That's then great. was effectively an ambassador a politician of sorts yeah. too. And by the way, think about this for a second. This is Gertrude Bell, this woman, this English yeah. woman engaging Arab men from, yeah. from the beginning of the last century. Yeah who yeah. didn't even talk to women. <laughs> Including their own wives. Their own wives. But yeah. Gertrude was engaging them on the yeah. highest possible political levels. You know, it's, a, it's very, it's very a fascinating. Great, it's, and Tilda Swinton, perfect for the voice. Yeah. Gives you, it puts you right into who she was. It's really good. I thoroughly enjoyed that doc. After Auschwitz, uh, this is a very interesting film. And in, 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 in the way it is constructed, what it does is it, is it picks up uh, with four people, four women, uh, who uh, well uh, 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 two women who were liberated from Auschwitz, and it follows them for the, for, for the next uh, several decades uh, of what happens to them after liberation, generally speaking, when you watch something about Auschwitz or one of the, or one of the camps, yeah. what, when you get up to liberation, you know the, the allies come in, they liberate, and that 's in, and we see all these skinny people walking around and, and, and it, but we don 't really talk about what happens next to these people. Yeah. they had no home in Europe anymore. Uh, uh, and, and they had to figure out a way to, uh, how to make a way for themselves wherever they could possibly go. Very often they ended up in Israel. Some of them obviously immigrated to the United States. But their lives were very difficult. Just think about – we talk today about um, post-traumatic stress, the post-traumatic stress of yep. our soldiers. Think about the post-traumatic stress of having been in Auschwitz but survived
0: you know this is a thing that i've often i often raise because i am you know my mother was a war refugee so i grew up with all those stories and and you you very quickly become acclimated to the idea that we like to put a happy ending onto a lot of things that don't really have a happy ending one of which is yay you know that murderer was brought brought to justice well yeah but now the family of that murderer has to figure out how they pick up the pieces and move on. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know. Now. You know. The when uh, when a war is over and people are liberated, but they still have to live their lives. And now their lives have changed. I mean, all you know, all of these things are. You have to. There. There. Sometimes it's a more interesting consideration what comes after yeah. the
1: resolution. Yeah.
0: And yeah. Uh, that's what I like about that film. It's all really of good. that
1: loss. All of that loss. Not just of uh, the. You, 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 not only have they they lose all their stuff. Uh, all of that family. Sometimes, sometimes lost right before you. It's, it's uh, yeah. on the heels of that. Then let's talk about uh, Cohen Media Group's uh, presentation of Spiral. Yeah, uh, which is about how over the last two or three decades there has been an actual rise in anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism, mostly in Europe, very specifically in France. Uh, and not just the, not just the sort of talk anti-Semitism, which is what it started no. with about three decades ago. About in about two dec- decades, over the last two decades, it's been about physical attacks yeah. against Jews. And uh and in and, and um uh synagogues. It never really went away. It never really went away. I mean it, you look, we can trace this all the way back to the Dreyfus Affair if yeah. you want if you want to do that. True. You know? Or in and before for that matter, but certainly to the Dreyfus Affair. Uh and and how that has with the rise of some sort of right wing fanaticals, I suppose we can pin some of this on if not Marie Le Pen, certainly her father. Yeah. Uh, opening opening up a chasm for these people to flow through,
0: exploiting a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the simmering the festering. Uh, look, yeah, I mean the history of Europe is uh, is deeply problematic in terms of lingering anti-Semitism. It goes back centuries. It's deeply ingrained in the culture, and it never really went away. Yeah, and uh, you know the, Germany was the the country that uh, that uh, that acted on it but you know the the great nasty secret in so many uh, other countries is that when they went into poland they were happy to give up their jews they went into france they were happy to give up their jews Mm. and that's uh there were there were only a handful of countries that that mostly the Scandinavian countries that pushed back and said, "Nope, we're not gonna, we're not gonna play that game." Yeah. So Europe has to really still wrestle with a lot of that, and, they, and I don't know if they've reconciled themselves. No, to not
1: it. even close. and ironically, of of the European countries that that has dealt with it, Germany is the one that's dealt with it the best, uh, as opposed yeah. to France. France yeah. has dealt with it the, the least, worst. you know, yeah. uh, which is an interesting thing. Um, uh, moving on to something lighter, Antonio Lopez, nineteen seventy uh sex fashion and disco Antonio Lopez um, uh was an extraordinary fashion illustrator in, in the late 60s and early 70s. Yeah. He was just a fan. I, I I'm a, I, I was a fashion kid back then and and and, and um uh always sort of like a, a paging through the uh going through the pages of Elle and Vogue uh because I've just always been that guy and most of the illustrations that I was looking at during that period 1970 74 75 uh, were were illustrations done by Antonio Lopez uh who was just an absolutely dazzling uh, uh, New York raised Puerto Rican raised in the Bronx. Um, he was an absolute arbiter of style and fashion back in the day. He is credited with discovering Grace Jones, Jessica Lange, Jerry Hall. He hung around with Karl Lagerfeld and Yves Saint Laurent. Uh, and if you if you, when you see some of the archival footage in here of the illustrations he did, you going, you're going to know them right away. You're going to know them immediately. Uh Because they influence fashion and style right to this very day, uh, so this is a very interesting person you know we don't always we, you, it's very interesting that sometimes the people who are behind the scenes of these sort of major cultural shifts, we don't know who they are yeah uh, this is one of those guys you know there's mm. probably something that you wear that you love that Antonio Lopez convinced you was really cool fantastic uh three interesting docs here, one is far from the tree. Uh, far from the
0: tree, uh, it looks at the the idea of what constitutes a normal family, and it focuses on uh, several different families who all have a situation where the parents are trying to are wrestling with how to um, with the fact that they have a child who is is different, uh, who fell quote unquote far from the tree, who uh, presents certain challenges, and they're all different. One of them, uh, the, the the child created a ho- uh, committed a horrible crime. Uh, in another, in the, in others, they have uh, physical afflictions, Down syndrome, autism, dwarfism, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it's a little disjointed in the fact that there isn't much that holds these families together. But at the same time, that's also the power of the film. So if you can kind of get over the fact that it's very episodic in that way and that there's no sort of binding theme other than the fact that these are all families looking for some path to... Uh, find a way to be normal in a world that says that you're not, then then there's a lot of value in this. Uh, it's very, very human, very touching. Wait. Uh, we've also got the uh, the Sunday Sessions, which is uh, very timely, actually. Uh, the, the publicist who uh, presented this to us just let me know a few days ago that this is back in the news again. This is actually a really interesting documentary that looks at the um, the world of conversion therapy, which no. is now illegal in thirteen states, you know, sexual orientation conversion therapy, and um, the to the to the credit of the filmmakers, they just wanted to be a fly on the wall. This is. Uh, you know people who desperately want this to reconcile their sexuality to their religious beliefs in many cases um they weren't going to be judgmental they were just going to enter this world and point the cameras and let you see and experience what this is actually all about as opposed to editorializing it and arguing about it in some kind of a context and the filmmakers have a point of view but they they feel like it's more it's more powerful to to present this uh without the editorializing, which is a very Maysles thing to do. That's what the Maysles really yeah, pioneered.
1: The, the brothers, yeah.
0: And uh boy, it is really powerful. And it's worth watching uh and discussing and debating. Um it really is because it raises issues that are not easily answered. And uh and what's significant here is that the um the figures involved in this film have since um filed a lawsuit in Florida to uh to overturn uh, certain local laws, I believe, there that uh, that have banned conversion therapy. So they are, they are filing lawsuits. They're very litigious about trying to make sure that, that uh, conversion therapy, whatever the medical establishment says about it, their, their position is that this is a right and that some people want this for themselves and have a right to seek this, out, this therapy out if they want it. It's going to be a very interesting legal landscape for the, the foreseeable future as to where that goes. But if you want to discuss the subject in any kind of an intelligent way, you need to see this because this takes you right inside it, and and it shows you exactly what goes on, and what the therapy, what this therapy consists of. And um, I can't imagine that any two people are going to see this in the same way. But mm. it's really, it's really bold, but, uh, bold filmmaking.
1: N- nar- narrative film that we thought we would have been talking about this, you know, in the, the past uh, Oscar season, *The uh, Boy Erased*. Yeah. Lucas Higgins. Yes. Uh, Russell Crowe, Nicole yeah. Kidman. Uh, that subject. This
0: is better. Yeah. It is. Uh, and then Gary Winogrand. Oh, my gosh, what a wonderful documentary this is. Gary Winogrand is uh, one of the great street photographers of the latter half of the, uh, the, the, the 20th century. Um, amazing figure. And his, his photographs are just magnificent. You know, they, they define primarily New York. I mean, they are, they are part of the history of New York, the modern history of New York. Um, but here's the other interesting thing and I'll tell you nothing else about this doc other than this. Gary Winogrand's career takes a very interesting change when he comes out to the West Coast and his photographs change. And a lot of people used to say, "Oh, it's all, it's, you know, sloppy and he just he was just getting old, lazy and he came out to LA and so forth." No. There's a reason why his photography changes. And they do some uh, there's some amazing forensic uh, uh, detective work that they do to figure that out. And it, it, so help me, you're going to do just like I did and in that moment where the reveal is, you're going to start crying and you're just going to bawl mm-hmm. and you're going to have this appreciation for him and his eye and his photographs that you never had before. Ga- Gary Winogrand, uh amazing figure. Gary Winogrand all things are photographed. Beautiful mm-hmm. documentary.
1: Wow, wow, wow. Um uh, got a few over here. Uh let's see, I think I'll do the new ones first. Okay. Uh, for new one, so to speak, the if, uh, if, uh, if, uh, the 25th anniversary edition. Uh, Hugh Grant, Andy McDowell, and the Mike Newell film for weddings and a funeral, which still plays. By the way, it, it runs on television about every 25 seconds. Uh, uh on one of the the movie yeah. networks, that I constantly yeah. have playing in my house. I'll look up, I'll see, I'll see Hugh Grant with that floppy hair and that and that sheep. And uh, and it's just really, really, really. This was just a wonderful movie from a period in time when the British were just were just cranking these things out left and right, small films, all of them, all human stories about oh, friends wow. and family. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 about a boy. Oh, about a boy. The full yeah. Monty. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there, there were dozens of them there for a while, uh, and they were really, really wonderful. This is one of them. Um, if this one is a, four, new, a brand new 4K scan full of all kinds of special features. Uh, so you get the movie, uh, but you also get everything that you can think of. A couple of different featurettes, deleted scenes, promotional spots, and materials. 25th anniversary of four weddings and a funeral. What the heck, man? I <laughs> love it. Where the hell did the time go? Where <laughs> I the hell know. The time go? Uh, 4K Ultra HD set of Predator, four movie collection uh, uh, here. Uh, you get Predator, Predator 2, Predators, and uh, The Predator. <laughs> <laughs> but no alien versus but predator. no alien versus none predator. of the alien that versus little, little, That little that little that squ- yeah. little little mashup there was kind Hey, look, uh, that first Predator movie. Went to see that movie when it came out with the wife. Yeah, uh, and we just thought it was just the coolest thing we have. For one thing, still great. It's still it, the movie still plays. I love yeah. you know the way it was set down there in the South Central America wherever it was set. I love the the construct Bill Duke and yeah. uh, Carl Weathers and Jesse uh, Ventura Ventura. You know, and I ain't got time to bleed. You know, it, it's just you know that was just uh, you that was just a period and it was a time and, and, and that movie that movie absolutely worked i like predator too uh set D- right Dating here in, Los Angeles. in the in the in the subway and the yeah. whole i love i've been it I, I, worked for me yeah. uh, 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 gary Busey you know, running running yeah. through the movie i uh, did the junket for that one too yeah. but by by that time i was here yeah, uh, and I did. I think I did the junket for the next two of these as well. Anyway, I uh,
0: even liked the third film,
1: <laughs> Predators. I even liked Predators. I thought there was a really <laughs> there was a lot of cool stuff in
0: that one. The only one I don't like is is Predator, Is the Predator the
1: Predator? Yeah, which well. I thought was
0: a mess. But yeah. um,
1: and they've look, done the, what two more since then at the Alien versus Predator. Yeah, I they've think. only yeah, done those. But the, the
0: Predator just came out, you know, in December or whatever yeah. it was. But I mean, look, if you want to be a completist outside of the Alien, the the AVP universe, that's yeah, that's a nice 4K box set. It really is and it's a it's probably more predator than any one person should ever consume in a sitting but <laughs> hey
1: why not oh wonderful 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 uh, now to some uh st- d- well this one is from the Warner brothers so I got did, did you have those Warner brothers I got, the, I, got the, the I got the Warner stuff. Stuff. let me let me give you that one too yeah. then since you got the Warner archives stuff I'll let you knock yeah. Down. Yeah. Uh, that yeah so is, um uh well actually let
0: me let me do the kino stuff first okay and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up <laughs> then will give you the, I'll
1: stuff. give you that one too cuz yeah. that's that's
0: one of your kino's thank you thank you um so yeah the first of the kino's here is uh the, they're all studio classics except for this one this is a kino classics this is the from the fw Murnau collection the haunted castle and the finances of the grand duke uh not not absolutely top tier uh Murnau, but it's you know it, it,
1: it is early Murnau's before the other ones.
0: Yeah, it's it, it. This is useful because you are learning where Murnau came from. You're you're familiarizing yourself with his style, um, with his at the evolution of his craft. So from a film historian standpoint, these are these are worth checking out um you know 1921 the haunted castle 1924 the finances of the grand duke it's pretty you know it's, it's 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 pretty uh evolutionary Murnau stuff but it's 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 it it has the expressionist style it's the weimar thing going so it's definitely worth checking out so i if you're a Murnau completist definitely add that uh some good old melodrama here in desert fury um Desert Fury is a really interesting film, and this has a, a commentary on it with film historian Imogen Sarah Smith that gets into all of this. Uh this was uh, directed by uh, well written by Robert Rosson, who of course went on to be a much bigger director uh in 1947. Lewis Allen uh directed it, good programmer then. This was a just a paramount Western uh at the time, but um it's uh, it's kind of a it's sort of it's 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 a Western and it's a noir.
1: And people it, forget that noir is not a genre in itself, but it is but can be applied to any genre. That's correct. It, which is why that it shows up in that movie right there. That's correct.
0: So uh and it's a it's a bit of a gangster film, you know, it's got all of those elements in it. And it also has all kinds of um, really interesting sexual subtext, especially uh, homoerotic subtext, and stuff that wasn't immediately evident to audiences of the day, but it was definitely in the book. Uh, and uh, you know, the, the the book, if you've read it by Ramona Stewart, is apparently a really quite a quite a scandalous thing. Um, but everybody who's in this, Mary Astor and Burt Lancaster, you know, they're all they're all just playing it straight. But um, it's quite a it's this is quite a kind of a legendary and scandalous movie. Uh, also scandalous, but not quite so legendary is Randall Kleiser's Summer Lovers.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, Randall Kleiser, uh, did the Blue Lagoon and then did Summer Lovers, which basically consists of taking Peter Gallagher, Daryl Hannah, and a lovely actress who went on to do nothing, Valerie Kennison, and, uh, let's send them to Greece and have them frolic around half naked and just have a good old time. And anyone looking for some titillation in 1982 was likely to get it. Yep. And that was it. That's all there is to this thing. Uh, but Kleiser does a commentary, and uh, there's a, tra- a trailer and a featurette. And it is, uh, you know, it's more an artifact, but it's uh, of its time. Uh, the Rover, Terrence Young's remarkable The Rover. What a great movie this is. What a fantastic cast, too. Anthony Quinn, Rita Hayworth, uh, Rosanna Sch- Um, And uh, a really great commentary here with uh, Lee Gambin and uh, Eloise Ross. Two fantastic film historians who take you on an amazing journey of this uh, very, very underrated movie from 1967. Um, this is uh, b- very interesting for me because it all kind of takes place in the uh, um, right after the French Revolution in the port of Toulon, where I actually lived in the uh, in the mid 1980s, and I know Toulon very, very well. So it's a very interesting thing. Anthony Quinn plays uh, kind of a kind of a rogue uh guy who shows up with a very particular message at this time right now the french revolution is is cutting people's heads off and um it there's a let let's just say he's a he's a rogue and he's a scoundrel and um I don't, don't want to quite compare this to the scarlet pimpernel even though it deals in some of the same stuff but it it's it has scarlet pimpernel-y aspects to it but the it's darker and uh, more brooding, and it has more twists and turns to it, oddly enough, which uh, are, are quite interesting. And it, uh, it 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 also dovetails with history in a very interesting way. It's just that that whole world of post-revolutionary France is is really quite chaotic and very very interesting. And the thing that is most uh, compelling about this is the Ennio Morricone music, which is beyond beautiful. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's a it's a really really good film, The Rover worth checking out uh, a bill of divorcement with Maureen O'Hara and Adolf manjou uh, you know this was a little bit of a thing in nineteen forty uh, dealt with a lot of things that were kind of scandalous at the time people who were in you know mental institutions and uh, uh, and you know divorce and uh, family family stuff that is um, you know that's a little bit you know that that we don't even blink at now but it was it was kind of a kind of a thing that you 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 don't want to talk about publicly at the time, so it kind of they brought it front and center in nineteen forty. Um, the most significant thing about this is that it was directed by John Farrow, father of Mia, mm-hmm. who of course had many of his own scandals. Mm. Um, so it's uh, it, again an artifact of the time worth checking out. The first electric western is how they dubbed Zachariah when that was released in nineteen seventy one. Very. Uh, very much uh, a psychedelic western of sorts. Uh, they did a beautiful job uh, doing a new 4K scan of this from the original negative, and uh, it looks beautiful. It's absolutely fantastic. It's as good as this film's ever looked. I've seen this, at, uh, you know, over the years at some revival theaters, and it's uh, it always looks just dead. It's like drained of its color and everything else. Their their restoration, this new scan of this, is just perfect. There's an interview with uh, Josh Rubenstein. Who's still who's still around and uh, from the movie, the actor, and then uh, audio commentary with uh, film historians Howard Berger and Nathaniel Thompson, all very mm-hmm. nicely done, uh, and then the last few here um, are all very very touching. Walter Matthau in Koch. Which yeah. was directed by his buddy Jack Lemon. Yeah. Such a sweet movie. Uh one of the one of the few that they worked together on, either on screen, off screen, whatever it was, that dealt with aging in a really, really tender way. And uh, you know, it's it's just about an aging guy and, and trying to hold his family together and it's just, it's just a sweet movie and one of Matthau's best performances. Uh, Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-Y, the film that won Cliff Robertson uh, an award for Best Actor based on uh, Flowers for Algernon. This is in 1968. And, of course, is the... Uh, the if you, I, I think everybody's read that short story in school. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's, it's standard in all American high schools. Still is, has been for decades. Um, about a, a, a uh, mentally uh, handicapped man who, through the miracle of science, is able to restore his cognitive faculties and experience what it's like to not be impaired mm. only to then discover that it's short-lived and he will be he will once again be impaired and, um, and to fall in love and and fall in love in the, in the in the meanwhile and it's just it's so beautifully done but you know the reason that this works is not because of ralph nelson's uh, participation it's not even sterling Siliphant's, uh screenplay the reason this works is because Cliff Robertson is amazing. Yeah. And Claire Bloom is wonderful, but Cliff Robertson is amazing. Yeah, young, very, amazing. very
1: young Cliff Robertson, actually.
0: Very young. Yeah. Uh, Diamonds for Breakfast. You know what? This is such a fantastic artifact of the time. Diamonds for Breakfast is one of the great quintessential 1960s movies. And uh, it's because it's got Rita Tushingham. Who sort of represents everything about the Hate Ashbury groovy 60s in England that I've always loved? I mean, she is straight out of an Austin Powers movie. Yeah. With the with the thigh-high boots and the dresses and the whole thing. Man, I just love Rita Tushingham. And who else, who better to put her opposite than Marcella Mastroianni yes. at this point in time? Fantastic. And then, you know what? It's all about a heist. stealing the Imperial stealing the Imperial Jewels of Russia. I Couldn't Love It Anymore. This is a great movie. This is so much fun. Diamonds for Breakfast. You've got to check it out. It's absolutely fantastic. I even love the title. Oh, it's such a fun movie. It really is. It's such a fun artifact of its time. And uh, then lastly, The Group. Uh, what a fascinating movie this is. Also from the, uh, the funky 60s, 1966. And uh, this, believe it or not, was directed by Sidney Lumet. Well, yeah, Sydney Lumet. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay yeah. It's a totally uncharacteristic Sydney Lumet movie, um, but it is—it's uh, a—it's kind of a, you know, it's a Battle of the Sexes movie, is what it is, and uh, it, it's—it puts together quite an amazing cast to kind of um, wrangle all of the the stuff that they want to talk about here. Um, It's—it—it really—it's just—it's a huge ensemble thing. And it breaks it all down between the women and the men in this giant battle of the sexist thing. And what an, what an amazing cast. Among the women, they've got Candace Bergen and uh, Shirley Knight, Jessica Walter. Um, it's, it's really, really fantastic. And then the men, holy cow. Uh, Larry Hagman, who had been in uh, Failsafe for mm-hmm. Sidney Lumet and was so good in that. Uh, Hal Hallbrook, Richard Mulligan. I mean, it's really, it's just a, it's a wonderful movie and a wonderful cast and totally like unusual Sidney Lumet.
1: Yep, yep, it really yeah, is. Yep, not, not, not well remembered that one, but I, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it's it. It's Good. I had one more little one over yes. here. I Want to knock it out real quick to just take care of it. Return of the Vampire with Bela Lugosi. Bela Lugosi not playing Dracula in yep. this movie. Uh, but nevertheless, going to end up playing the vampire. Neat movie because it starts in in 1918. Uh, uh, this family is actually being you know terrorized yeah. by this vampire. But they you know they they, they drive a railroad stake through. So <laughs> you think the movie would be over? Uh, uh, but he is of course the undead. Fast forward to around World War Two. The Germans are bombing, uh, and uh, a bomb shakes Luth. Loose that railroad spike, and now we got the vampire back. That's so clever. Uh, and, and the other clever thing they do in this movie is they give his sidekick. They make his sidekick a werewolf.
0: Nice. Now
1: you got your vampire and I your like werewolf it. in Before the same the movie. Before the Twilight Saga. Yeah, that's just what I'm telling you, man. It's, it's really, really great. It's a, it's a, it's a neat movie. Bella will go see. You know, doing the vampire thing the way he always did it. Uh, uh, pretty neat. Directed by Lou Landers. Lou Landers is one of those guys. Who directed probably close to 300, uh, easily uh, two or 300 movies or, 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 or shorts or something like that? One of those super duper ridiculously prolific guys whose career crossed over just about everything that you could think of. Uh, you know, a real sort of uh, William Bodine or Sam Neufeld kind of guy. Uh, but this is neat. Uh, check it out if you get a chance. Um, um, uh, the Return of the Vampire, Bella Lugosi. Uh, special features include a commentary uh, with film historian Lee Gabon. It's really neat. Check it out.
0: And we're going to close out on some Warner Archive titles. Uh, The first one is Men Must Fight, which is the only one that's on DVD. That's DVD-R, Manufacture on Demand, in the case of all of these. Uh, But Men Must Fight will be of interest to just about anybody who, um, who wants to kind of dive into the uh, this this early... I don't know if this is pre-code. This is like right in there. This may be right at the end of the pre-code era, but it's certainly... There's nothing necessarily objectionable about it, but it's a really interesting story because it's pre-World War II, of course. And um, there's something very prescient about it because this all takes place... It's, it's sort of around World War I, and given what's going on in the early 30s, I think everybody realizes that another world war is is definitely a possibility and very much in the offing. And it, with that history in mind, this will be, um, this will have some resonance. So uh, even though this is not a political thing, it's sort of, that's the, the subtext to all of this. And uh, the, the political subtext here is, is quite, quite compelling. So it all takes place in the early part of uh, uh, the First World War and um and how all of these political machinations impact these characters and their families and uh in a way it's sort of looking down the line and saying is this going to happen again to us and it's a it's kind of an ominous thing um on blu-ray all the rest of these are mod blu-rays this is one i never expected to come out from warner archive but i think it's interesting that it did because it's it's kind of timely again. Judgment Night. Do you remember Judgment Night? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Steven, uh, yeah. Stephen Hopkins, who would go on to do
1: The Mummy. And, and you know. I rather enjoyed that film. It was, it was um, issues around it at the time. Well, the the issues is this. You know, it's four guys...
0: Uh, Jeremy Piven is the only one that didn't make the poster at the time, and he's probably more successful now. He's more mm-hmm. known name than any of the rest of these at this point in time, uh, because you know Stephen Dorff and Emilio Estevez and Cuba Gooding Jr. have all kind of yeah, went up and disappeared. And yeah, yeah, Piven, you know, went on to have a, a huge career on television, obviously. Encore with and uh, uh, Mister uh, the, the 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 suffrage the suffrage, yeah. yeah. So in any case, they're four guys. They're you know in Chicago and they're they're just driving around and they w- and they're in the bar- bad part of town and they witness a murder and next thing you know, they're up against Timothy Leary, who's the yeah. guy, the murderer, and he's not you know what do I do with you now? Do I have to kill you? And it's you know it's a it's a it's a little bit of an exploitation film, but it's dealing with issues that suddenly seem a lot more timely. Yeah. Than they
1: did yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, then we've also got the prize. The prize being the uh, the uh, Nobel Prize. Starring Paul Newman, and uh, this is kind of a this is a this is a weird attempt to make a James Bond movie starring Paul Newman centered around the uh, Nobel Prize. Yeah, uh, it's it's a little bit of an oddity, but it's kind of fun at the same time. Based on a very silly novel by Irving Wallace, and uh, it's directed extremely well by Mark Robson, who was one of those guys in the '60s that did you know really great widescreen. You know, muscular movies and uh, has a very solid screenplay by Ernst Lehman, who, of course, would go on to do um, The Sound of Music. Uh, You know, uh, check it out just for Paul Newman, because Paul Newman's great. Mm. I don't know the story works quite that well, but Paul Newman is just, he's just so unbelievable. That face, man. Like like a face chiseled yeah. by chiseled by Michelangelo. Yeah, you know, you go to museums and you look at those statues and you just think they look like Paul Newman. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. You wish you looked like Paul. Paul, Newman.
1: young Paul Newman was a ridiculously beautiful thing to look at. It's funny because most people, crazy. You know, when they talk about, yeah, I mean, if you just about well, handsome men. A yeah. lot of you know, like for contemporaries, they go to Robert Redford. Right. Who's exactly. a handsome man? I'm not crazy. Yeah. I know Robert was handsome. I'm not yeah. saying Robert wasn't handsome. No, but if you if you look closely. Paul Newman was way more beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yet he still had this manly thing about him. Hood. Yeah. 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 That guy, he could Pretty play. Man, but you felt like he'd punch you in your fucking face. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. It's that thing, you know what I
0: mean? Uh then we also have the giant behemoth. Oh my word! When they were making all these crazy monster movies, uh, they uh, they this was kind of a follow up for uh, Eugene Lurie to his film The Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, which of course are all sort of you know yeah. stop motion Harryhausen knockoffs. And um, this is this is silly. I mean, it's it's the only the only difference here from any of that is that this thing is attacking London and not Godzilla attacking Tokyo. Uh, swap the giant behemoth in for Godzilla. Swap London in for Tokyo. That's what this movie is. And uh, it's fine. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's much more interesting because of the commentary where they got Dennis Murin and Phil Tippett, legendary special effects guys, to sort of talk about why this is part and parcel of the history of our special effects uh, today. And that's very interesting. So um, the commentary is the thing here, not so much the, uh, the movie. The last two we will talk about this week, a couple of old Tarzan movies. And, man, I used to be such a Tarzan fan when I was a kid. I loved the, I read the yeah. books. And then I wanted to get into the movies, and then I realized the movies had nothing to do with the books. Who is this Weissmuller guy with the loincloth? That's not like the books. That's not what I was just reading about. Um, oh, he was a swimmer. Okay, I get it. And
1: you know, then there was Buster Crabb. To... As a kid, I had no idea that that guy lived in Tarzan. that, that Tarzana? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. In my yeah. mind, he was just some guy <laughs> yeah. who lived in – I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no.
0: That, that was a thing. Anyway. So, uh, if, if these, are, these are both very silly. They are basically gladiator movies, except with Tarzan instead of a gladiator. Um, but they are part and parcel of a fascinating legacy of Tarzan movies. And um, they are, these are noteworthy because of their exotic backgrounds. Tarzan's Three Challenges was actually shot in Thailand. Now, keep in mind, Tarzan is in Africa. There's nothing about Thailand that, <laughs> that even remotely resembles Africa. And they don't even try; uh, they just don't even try at all. So it's kind of funny, and it's a lot, and it's very, very silly. Um, but uh, this is this is Tarzan played by Jock Mahoney. Oh, one, Jock, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who's sort of one of the less objectionable Tarzan's? He's sort of Ron Ely-ish. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Woody Strode shows up in here to kind of give it a little bit of legitimacy, uh, and, and you know, it, it's 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 perfectly. It's fine.
1: trying to fix some of the problematic. Yes. Notions in it the is. in the in the '30s and the, those wise, muley Tarzan. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's what it's trying to do. Um, and good on them for that. And and good on them for that, for sure.
0: Uh, and then uh, Mahoney also uh, plays in um, Tarzan Goes to India, which, just to point out again, is also not Africa. <laughs> also, does not look like Africa. Makes no sense that that the Tarzan uh. would ever be anywhere near India, but he gets to find a tiger because, yeah, you know, but otherwise, why not? otherwise that
1: would be insane.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, as long as you put all of that away it's still kind of fun and of course this was directed by John Gillerman who had a tr- who did uh, previously had done a Tarzan film with him and John Gillerman who would go on to do things like The Towering Inferno and King, King Kong. Kong with Jessica Lange yeah. young Jessica Lange so John Gillerman was sort of one of those early early era action directors before we had action directors anyway uh, look they're silly but they are Tarzan movies take them with a grain of salt they can still be enjoyable even though Thailand and India are not even remotely Africa <laughs> and with that uh, next week we will uh, will be back And we will be talking about the Oscars. Uh, What actually happened? And what actually happened? We'll see you next week. (laughs) Thank <laughs>